Welcome to Off Leash with Eric Prince. I'm Mark Serrano. We are talking about Israel. There's so much for us to dive into, so much for us to dig into with Eric's expertise. We did a whole nother prior episode on this. We needed another episode. Eric, welcome. Thanks. So here's what I want to know. You're commanding the Israeli military. What are your options? That'll be a cold day. <laughs> Understood. Look, the, for them to face, there's 2.2 million people in Gaza. It is heavily urbanized. Some farms, but, but heavy masonry structures with 300 miles of tunnels. Uh, when you look back at, at history of urban combat, it is super advantageous to the defender, and it negates technology because radios don't work as well in the urban canyons that are that are um, buildings and and destroyed buildings and destroyed buildings. Just for perspective, the Russians lost 1.2 million killed in action fighting in Stalingrad, in one big city on a river in Russia. 1.2 million. Why? Because of the the grinding casualty counts caused by um, the advantage to any defender. It was the, the, the Nazis were hell-bent for leather that they had to take it, and Stalin was not going to let that happen. And so they just ground away at each other. And, and, and so it's, it's, so that kind of urban combat is that daunting, landscape. even for the, for, the, for the IDF. But remember, that's going to be fought with 18, 19, and 20-year-old conscripts. Right, I mean, all Israeli um, uh, kids have to serve in the military, uh, but that experience lies with the the thirty and forty year olds. But it's extremely hard. And now with Hamas knowing what's coming, because they planned this attack for at least a year, year and a half, I would not be surprised if there are roadside bombs pre-laid into the concrete, into into the very fabric of everything, so that uh, any advancing vehicle or troops will be slaughtered. So it, it's, it is an extremely dangerous time. The, the Israelis have to find something to take out those tunnels because that's where all the ammunition is, supply, is, is stored for Hamas, and, they, and the tunnels allow them to maneuver, to constantly outflank. So even if the Israelis make an incursion, they can constantly be maneuvered. From, um, can we get the map, please? I would say the, uh, the first thing the Israelis would do is try to split Gaza in two. And, and at least North put, and south. Put, a, put a force uh, across from um, uh, heading to the northwest to at least split it so that the, the enemy can't have free communication uh, across that terrain. And there's, there's a bit more rural area there, so that's at least a place to start. But Gaza City is half, three-quarters of a million people, million people, and that is exceedingly difficult for them to clean that out. And, and now you commingle that with hostages with civilians that aren't leaving, and it's, a, uh, it's an almost no-win situation for the Israelis to try to take that. All right, so since October 7th, the Israelis have been bombarding Gaza yep. from the air, correct? Yes. Okay. How does that help them when they want to enact a ground incursion? Um, well, it hurts them if you rubble buildings. Right. Because that's the other lesson learned from, from urban combat is that rubbled buildings give the defenders even more positions to fight from and, and more cover. But the Israelis clearly had no choice. They had of to. Of course, they had to. Right. Yes. Okay. But they had to strike targets, and they're trying to take out 
Hamas leadership and uh, and the Hamas infrastructure. Right. I hope they're innovative in what they do to the tunnels. It's going to save them and a lot. Of, it's it's going to save them a lot of casualties, and it's going to save a lot of civilian casualties if they can negate the tunnels. It'll be a slightly fairer fight, not a not a perfect one, but um, but it's a it's a slog. And again, in this day and age of digital media. Um, Hamas immediately, it, you saw it just uh, a few days ago with uh, the explosion that happened at that hospital. Hamas immediately blamed it on an Israeli strike, even though it was a short round, a rocket launched by a Hamas affiliate, a homemade rocket that blew up in a, in a hospital parking lot. And immediately Hamas says, well, there's 500 people killed. Even though we had it on video. Even though it was on video, correct. And it so hit a parking lot. So they're fighting in a, they're fighting a propaganda war at the same time they're fighting an actual physical war, and the the Muslim Brotherhood apologists and affiliates like um, uh, like Qatar and Al Jazeera right. will be pounding on the Israelis and stirring up the entire Arab street around against them and on American campuses uh, relentlessly. Okay, so I understand the rubble is a challenge. So the landscape is very very difficult. It's urban warfare. You've got the tunnel system underneath. But you've amassed literally maybe 300,000 troops uh, uh, surrounding Gaza. So do you move from north to south? But again, it's not just a matter of Gaza that they have to face. Because if they, if they start pushing on Gaza, high likelihood that Hezbollah, there's, there's daily attacks coming from Hezbollah against northern Israel now. But isn't that going to happen whether they, it, it, they move into Gaza Correct, or not? Correct. But you said you mobilize 300,000 troops. It right. doesn't mean you can deploy them all in the south. They have, Israel's model is very much a, a part-time army that can surge to much bigger numbers in case of national crises. This is, the, this is the single biggest crisis they've had since the founding of Israel. Even in the 73 war, which was very dangerous for them for, for a few days of fighting, they lost 24, 2,500 people. They've already lost 1,500 people killed in action just from the terrorist attack in Israel. I mean, when you think, again, what Israel did after the 72 slaughter at the Munich Olympics for killing 11 Israelis in Germany, they now have more than 100 times that number killed, killed. on Israeli soil by terrorists and a couple hundred more hostages. So it's a, it is a nightmare scenario for them, and there's not a great outcome either way. But they have no choice. But they have no choice. Now, what can they do from the Mediterranean? to support the operation? Um, look, it, coming over the beach into an urban environment is exceedingly difficult as well because you have, you're gonna come with what you can swim with or on a small boat. Right. So I don't think they're gonna do, they'll do some raids. They have done some raids. The, the Shayatet um, 13, the Flotilla 13, the, uh, the Israeli Frogman unit has done some successful operations against um, some Hamas leadership, maybe some hostage rescues, but, um, but this is going to be a land fight. It's very interesting to note that the, that the Egyptians are not wanting to take more Palestinians because they don't want to, they don't want to be burdened with more um, angry people that have some radical tendencies. No one wants them. No one the wants Muslim them. countries don't want them. Correct. I mean, what does that say about this conflict? Is it, is it because the Muslim countries that are uh, uh, not our allies they want to see civilian casualties as a propaganda No, I just, I, I think they, they <laughs> all these other countries actually have some respect for border security 
yeah. and don't want to. They, they want to know who's coming in their country, and they're not just not just going to take them because somebody asked them to, or because they walked in. So t tell me about the, the Israeli military capabilities. So if, if they move in from from north to south, what kind of machinery do they have to try to clear those streets of rubble? What, how does it, what does that look like? They will have lots of big armored D nine bulldozers, which okay. is basically a big bulldozer with an armored cab, some of which might even be remote operated uh, because of the, the high risk of driving into a, um, a super high risk firing lane where you can be fired at from all sides, from underneath, from Above. roadside bombs, from, from rooftops, from, right. it is an ex exceedingly short-lived position to be a bulldozer operator in that But those are the first guys in. Yes. By yes. necessity. By necessity. Right. And, and and so again, this is a engineering war because you're gonna have so many explosives laid. It's not just a matter of Hamas shooting them with bullets. They're going to blow them up with roadside bombs, with landmines, with EFPs, explosive form penetrators. The very nasty uh, uh, mine, imagine if you take a, uh, a copper disc about the size of a, of a coffee cup or of, of, a, of a coffee saucer that's made of copper and you put that on the front of a coffee can um, filled with, uh, with explosives when you initiate that, C4 blows up at about, what, 24 to 25,000 feet per second, and it turns that plate into a copper slug going about 8,000 feet per second. And it goes right through the side of, of any tank, any, um, any Israeli armored vehicle. All it's right. the, same, the same real problem the U.S. had uh, that the Iranians were doing to us while the U.S. had forces in Iraq. In Iraq. So, exit question for this segment is those are the military options. None of them are really good options. What's the mission? What's the end game? Is it to eliminate Hamas from Gaza? Is it to take out their entire leadership? What is the mission? I think the, uh, the Israeli nation has to decide whether it can live with a, with a festering neighbor that wants its extinction. And, and what pain do they have to do short term to, to attain that goal. So it's not merely... Or to, or, to, or to rescue the rest of the Palestinian people from a terror leadership that they're suffering under right now. Fair enough. But it's not merely reestablishing deterrence anymore, right? That's no. not good enough. I don't think so. Incredible. It's, it's, it's going to be a very, very rough next year on planet Earth. Unbelievable. Okay. More about a possible regional conflict when we come back. Imagine a technology company built to restore your privacy, not take it away. You and your phone are constantly bombarded with tracking, surveillance, propaganda, and digital attacks. Even big tech companies claiming to protect privacy create their own back doors. Unplugged restores what's been lost, starting with a messenger, a VPN, a mobile antivirus. The Unplugged app bundle gives you back what's rightfully yours. Unplugged. Restore your privacy. We're back. Now we need to talk about a possible regional, region-wide conflict that this Israeli war with Hamas may lead to. So Eric, obviously Iran is the puppet master behind the scenes. It seems from a pedestrian standpoint that this attack from Hamas, especially with the timing with Saudi and, and yep. uh, Israel, Designed to block any, any rapprochement between uh, the Saudis and Israel. To peace, right? So the timing is clear. But isn't this 
designed to draw all of us into a massive regional conflict? Absolutely. That's what they... That's uh, Iran's desire. It, it's, a, it's almost an apocalyptic desire of the mullahs. Uh, I remember talking to an Israeli general years ago about um, Iran getting nuclear weapons and about using them. But then the, the discussion was, well, if the Israelis use nuclear weapons back on us, it will, uh, it will kill a lot of our people. They said, yes, but we have 80 million people and they only have 6 million and we'll still be here, and they'll be gone. So they'll sacrifice as many as they need to. So it, right. it, it, it's hard to, hard to want to negotiate um, with, with a, a, an apocalyptic enemy. So let's say uh, all this is obviously defensive measures by Israel. They have to go into Gaza. Uh, that will increase the attacks coming from Hezbollah, the yes. way you've described it, right? Take us from there. And even, and even from Syria, because the Iranian... Proxy forces um, parked up right against the Syrian-Israel border as well. Okay. And Iran, here's what's unbelievable to me, is that the Biden administration says, well, we don't really have proof that Iran was, was behind this. It seems a bit absurd. But tell me more. That, that means and, they would have to have been dependent on, um, on signals intelligence for that because, you know, um, the U.S. suffers from the same delusions and assumptions that the IDF did. When this attack happened, it used to be, um, especially when U.S. forces in Iraq, maybe it's still continuing. There was a courier that would go between Baghdad and Tehran, carrying a disc that would uh, convey messages, not electronically, back and forth between um, Maliki, who was the Iranian stooge running Iraq, and uh, and the supreme leader back in Tehran. So there there's ways for uh, for our enemies to get around some of the US signals intelligence. Okay. So Israeli Israel is, you know, in the bullseye. They may have a multi-front war uh that they're facing. It's not Iran would like nothing less than for this to grow and grow and grow. Yep. Um so the US moves assets in the region uh in response. Yep. Why? So the US has moved uh at least one carrier battle group to the Eastern Med, although it's keeping it well offshore. Why? Because as the Ukraine war uh, certainly teaches, and, and hopefully not a, a, a war off of Taiwan, um, anything today that can be located can be targeted because there is so many precision weapons made of short, medium, or even extremely long range. And so that carrier has to sit well west of Cyprus to stay out of range of some of the larger missiles parked in Lebanon by, by the Iranians. Uh, so the U.S. moves, moves forces there. The Chinese, uh, for the first time in a scenario like this, in the Mediterranean, is actually sending a six-ship flotilla of warships. It just rounded uh, Oman, and it's on its way up the Red Sea to go into the Eastern Med. What are they signaling with that move? They're signaling support for Iran. Why? Because China buys almost all of Iran's oil production and very much their, uh, uh, very much their, I wouldn't say ally, but, uh, but friend in, in cause and friend against the West. It was really interesting. It was you know, surprising and disgusting to see the Chinese not come out and really uh, criticize even Hamas. The Chinese were just calling for a ceasefire. So uh, Israel has provided a lot of technology, agricultural technology to China over the years. Mm -hmm. And um, 
what a uh, what a sharp reminder for them to pick their friends more carefully. So, but this sort of a, a, an alliance uh, of of evil between China and Iran is this new? Is this recent? Is it largely because China's economy is growing? They need more oil. It's and they turn it's to an, someone it's like an, Iran. An, it's an anti-West environment. Anything to to break up the um, the Pax Americana that's kind of um, uh, dominated the the world for the last few decades. But when Iran was operating under sanctions three years ago, was China buying their oil then? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Under under extremely uh, lucrative terms for the Chinese. The Iranians would have to, you know, usually when you buy oil from those countries, you have to pick it up and you have to pay for it as soon as it's loaded. In this case, the Iranians were loading it on Iranian national ships, hauling it all the way to the Chinese ports, and then the Chinese would pay at a steep, steep discount because they were the only buyers because of sanctions. So again, China is their, is their uh, customer, is their financer in this sense, right? Uh, because if Iranian oil is, is not worth something unless you get someone to pay for it, China is that buyer. So it's, it's... And China propped them up when they were under sanctions. Very much so. Right? Yep. Yep. So, so now that you goes have, deep. Um, you have Iran that's really establishing this, this Shia crescent they've been pushing for. They've really subjugated most of Iraq, um, with the exception of the, of the very north, where it's kind of a Kurdish uh, regional government, still very much subject to the, to the whims of Iran. Right. But uh, Baghdad, controlled by Iran, because of the Syrian civil war, the, the Iranians got their hooks in there, which has even allowed them to put troops right up against the Israeli border, um, even firing some rockets and mortar fire into, into Israel from Syria. So if this thing really kicks off, Fortunately, I think the Egyptians will largely stay out of it. They don't have an interest in trying to, to relitigate and, and refight past wars, right. um, although they need to be encouraged to stay in place. Right. Jordan, same way. Difficult position for, for, um, for the king there. He is a Hashemite, right? And he is, of all the rulers in the entire Middle East, he has the most legitimacy as a king because uh, he actually his is, lineage. is his lineage. Yeah. Literally goes all the way back to the Prophet Muhammad. Okay. Um, in fact, he has more of a claim to much of Saudi Arabia by that legitimacy than than the Saud family does. But he uh, Jordan is filled with Palestinians, so the Bedouins are almost a minority in in the country of Jordan, and so you have an enormous angry Palestinian street there, which can be uh, very dangerous to the to the survivorship of the of the monarchy there. So which the would be a which has been a reliable friend to America. Right. Uh, for decades, and we certainly want to see that continue. Okay, but he'll be under internal pressure. Much, okay. considerable. So, and, and, and believe me, the Iranians will be stirring that street and stirring those problems up as much as possible. Right from the ground level. Yes. So uh, the, the best thing that the U.S. can do to help Israel stay out of their way, is that correct? Uh, is to give them some diplomatic cover. Okay. And, and, and I would... Um, if I were the U.S., I would give a very clear warning to Qatar to, to, to mind the propaganda war that they're waging against the West right now through Al Jazeera, which is flat-out propaganda. Uh, we do have a base there. And, um, you know, we should... You know, the, the UAE has been much more reasonable. They, they, and Bahrain made, um, made peace, made di diplomatic relations uh, with Israel. And uh, they, are, they are much more reasonable and neutral in this situation. But within weeks... 
you know, without any warning whatsoever, this region is now become sort of a tinderbox. Exploded. When, when Jake Sullivan in mid-September was talking about how quiet the Middle East has been under their leadership. In decades. Two decades. weeks before this. Right. Ouch. Unbelievable. What would it take to draw a major player into this hot conflict? You've got China there. You've got the U.S. there. Well, the other major player that has to be discussed is Turkey. So I remember the Ottoman Empire extended from Turkey all the way down through all of Syria, Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Egypt. If you saw Lawrence of Arabia, that was the Brits sending an innovative officer to rally the Saudi tribes to have them defeat the Ottoman forces and push them out, which, which at the end of, the, of World War I, that's what happened. Then you get the, the Sykes-Picot Agreement, which is where you draw the lines of Syria uh, in Jordan. And, um, but, but Erdogan, in his reign, mm-hmm. um, has been talking all about re- reinvigorating the Great Ottoman Empire, including running pictures or maps showing parts of Bulgaria, parts of um, Syria and Iraq as being part of greater Turkey again. Because remember, Turkey views all of that as wrongfully belonging to Turkey. But so far, Erdogan has acted responsibly related to Israel and the attack? Uh, so far, yes. So far. We hope that continues. Is Russia too busy fighting in Ukraine to take an interest in this conflict? Uh, I'm sure Russia is cheering this all from the sidelines because it serves as a huge distraction away from, from the, the, the financial and military aid that was flowing to Ukraine. But Israel has got, this is all defensive. They've got to take, they have to clear Hamas out of Gaza one way or another. They're going to be attacked from Hezbollah. This thing has to heat up. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I'm afraid you're right. And that entire time we get closer to a region-wide conflict, right? Correct. Correct. And and the fact that the Chinese are sending um, uh, forces into the Med is not a a great sign. Extraordinary. Exit question on this segment is, how does the U.S. vulnerability on energy play into this? You've got... Our interest in, in, in Venezuela seemed to be top sure. Turkey. So, because of the, the clear malfeasance uh, by Iran stimulating all this attack and this chaos, higher likelihood that Iranian oil goes under sanction again. So what does the Biden administration do? They reward socialist gangsters in Caracas, the Maduro regime, releasing all sanctions on, uh, on hydrocarbons, on gold. Uh, and finance uh, with a promise for them to have an election uh, in 2024. Um, but, the, but the woman that actually won the primary to run against Maduro has been officially banned by the Maduro regime from running. Her name is um, Maria Karina Machada. Fantastic libertarian free market candidate. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that gangster regime actually lets a, a, an election go again. I'm and her not, life's at risk in the meantime. Look, when, when she travels, I mean, she, she can't go to a restaurant in Venezuela because if she's allowed to eat in that restaurant, the tax authorities come the next day and close the restaurant down. If she stays in a hotel, the tax authorities come the next day and close that hotel down. If she gets on a commercial flight internally, it's banned the next day. It's, it is a, it, it's, it's, it's reminiscent of what you see 
a certain party doing to a presidential candidate here in the United States, trying to use all the force of law and criminality to um, to keep people from running. Using the power of the state. Exactly. So, but our vulnerability on energy is playing into all of this, all the way into the Middle East conflict. Right. All because the green agenda here in the United States has barred new federal leases on land for drilling and exploration. It's banned pipelines coming from oil production Keystone in Canada. was shut down on day one. Yes. It's, it is a, a war on energy independence, which makes us as Americans, much more dependent on people we don't want to have to deal with. And the world dangerous place where it wasn't three years ago. Yeah, it's a much more dangerous place thanks to the collapse of deterrence and in, in credibility by the United States. Excellent. When we come back, we got to talk about the reaction of the United States on university at universities and in the media to the war that was forced upon Israel right after this. Imagine a technology company built to restore your privacy, not take it away. You and your phone are constantly bombarded with tracking, surveillance, propaganda, and digital attacks. Even big tech companies claiming to protect privacy create their own back doors. Unplugged restores what's been lost, starting with a messenger, a VPN, a mobile antivirus. The Unplugged app bundle gives you back what's rightfully yours. Unplugged. Restore your privacy. Incredibly, it's, this blows my mind. So in the U.S., you've got students, you've got uh, Palestinian Hamas sympathizers uh, has just erupted since October 7th. We've got to get into this. It's unbelievable to me. A, a colleague of mine just asked me, how is it that the American left could possibly be aligned with a terrorist organization that beheaded babies, that paraded old women through the streets, took them hostage, raped them, killed them, shared the video and images all around the world. How in the hell can they justify that? Yeah, when you think about after 9-11 in America, where were they celebrating it? Gaza City. What we've allowed, it, it really it, it unmasks the rot that has become of American universities, so-called higher education, and how these organizations have been infiltrated by Muslim Brotherhood money, the, the kind of money that um, Qatar has been pumping into these kind of places, the influence it buys, and the, the, the Bolshevik Marxist rot that has been pushing on these largely idiot kids. One of the first things Donald Trump did in office was to shut down the terrorist pipeline by uh, eliminating any immigration from several nations at the time. Do you remember? And he won in the Supreme Court, by the way, ultimately. But the left was outraged over this. Yeah, they Is called this... it a Muslim ban. No, it was not a Muslim ban. It was a, it was a ban from certain countries where they actually couldn't do the vetting because the countries were effectively failed states and there was no reliable law enforcement to ask or to do the vetting of who was going to come here. There's no background, totally no appropriate, nothing. Totally appropriate, must be re redone. And we probably need to look back and think of who's come here and who does not. I mean, it, it, do we want a country that's allowing in people that think that what happened in Gaza is a great thing. But, if you've, but you've got, you know, we're not just talking about, uh, you know, people who've immigrated, you know, Muslims who've immigrated in. We're talking about white college students who are aligning themselves with these terrorists. Yep. Is it, is it anti-colonialism? I mean, what is, how do they rationalize this? 
it's a it's the same. I mean, look, look, you had Black Lives Matter received a lot of money from American industry, from Fortune 500 companies. $90 million. All the social posturing and feel-goodness um, combined with these militant leftist um, Marxist terrorist organizations. I, I, I think it's too little too late for some of these for some of these big companies to say all right who signed these letters praising Hamas we're not going to give them jobs okay claw back the money claw back the billions of dollars you've given these universities over the years tax the um, the endowments of these places because maybe they wouldn't have all the the money to spend on on the leftist ridiculousness because higher education is now becoming an indoctrination factory for that kind of insanity well, not not teaching right. people what they actually need to know. Harvard's a hedge fund. I mean, it's got a forty-six billion dollar endowment. Yep. So it's it, it it it. You're right. It's this indoctrination factory. You know, it is political correctness. It's race politics. It's wokeism, just on steroids. But we see students marching in the streets, basically supporting Hamas. It's unbelievable attacks on on Jews and Israelis in the U.S. How about they they have become the KKK. Against Jews, an anti-Semitic. Well, KKK was anti-Semitic as well, but it is a modern version of the KKK. Is anyone that's supporting Hamas or the kind of insanity that they're preaching? Well, and 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 you've got Black Lives Matter. They did this this tweet with an image of a paraglider. Yes, praising the paragliders that were used to insert into kibbutzes. Okay? Paragliders were not used against military targets. They were used against kibbutzes. To go in and slaughter people. So that's how I got past in their gate. They came in over time. But remember, look, say the far, the left in America has always had a dalliance with hardcore racism. I mean, remember the the senator from West Virginia, Robert Byrd, used to be a grandmaster of the KKK, never denounced. Biden called him a uh, a great colleague. So they can't they can't get away with this. They can't be allowed to get away with this. Are you are you a friend? Of actual diversity in America, of merit-based diversity in the American way, or are you, are, thought. <laughs> or are you, or are you a fan of totalitarian terrorist Bolshevism that will destroy America? Which one is it going to be? It's a pretty easy, it's a pretty easy choice. Well, and then you know, within days of visiting Israel, Joe Biden delivers a hundred million dollars in humanitarian aid to Palestine. I mean, hell, the, the Egypt would barely even let it in. They let some trucks in to deliver this so-called humanitarian aid. If you want to deliver humanitarian aid, just say, fine, there's a million dollars per hostage. Of course, since he, had, since he also established Incredible. a precedent of paying $1.2 billion per American hostage held in Iran, I guess their, their math doesn't work. But right. yeah, it's, it's, it's weakness compounded on top of weakness, on top of stupidity. People say, is it really a conspiracy? Are they trying to destroy the country? I keep thinking it's not a conspiracy. It's just that it's just that misguided, but I'm starting to wonder. But it's, it's a means to an end. You destroy the country to gain power. Ultimately, it's all about power. Yes. Right? They want to control and, Again, and, and have that's power. That's why they leave the borders open, because you're importing more and more people that come from societies that don't have a habit of liberty. What we have in America is an unusual country where... We used to be focused on self-reliance, where you can be what you want to be as long as you worked hard, and you weren't depending on or asking the state for permission to get ahead. And it, the yep. people that are flowing into America now come from societies where they're used to the government 
having a heavy boot on their neck or a uh, heavy control over their lives, and they're they're used to that kind of and, and expecting that kind of government support, and they they make. I guess great Democrats. And the diversity movement has led to opposition to assimilation for many of these communities. Yes, America right? works when it's a melting pot, not a patchwork quilt. And we have a very, very rough patchwork quilt now. All right, so let's let's wrap on the border, okay? And I hate to ask you this, but we now see literally millions have been in, let in, right? They are- I think 30 million are foreign born. 30 million. They spread across the landscape of the United States of America. Here's what I hate to ask you, but the odds of a terror of a terrorist attacks or a series of attacks within the U.S. in the election year of 2024, which in and of itself is going to be massive chaos, have grown dramatically. Correct? Sure. What you're seeing with the with the organized militant protests by these Hamas supporters, with discipline, with drone overhead for marshalling with vehicles blocking certain access points for police, et cetera, you're seeing militant-like organizations done at these protest levels. You also saw a lot of those things with Black Lives Matter protests. So these are not spontaneous outpourings of emotion by people. These are militant stormtrooper tactics executed by trained, hardened leftist stormtroopers in the United States. So the chances of them rolling that out, just like they did in the BLM riots in the summer of 2020, is a hundred percent, and even though so, so yeah. I am, I encourage, if you're a mayor, if you're a chief of police, if you're a county sheriff, prepare, and say we're not going to let that shit happen this time, and prepare to prevent and to thwart, and to and to defend our society from militant crazies. Well, from from your mouth to their ears, but it's going to fall on deaf ears in many many cities. Sure. Where they have defunded big cities, the police, if you're a, they if you're refused in a big to prosecute violent crime. If you're in a big left-wing run city, right. be afraid. But not all cities are. I mean, look, I think the other great hard lesson of COVID is that local governance matters. And so your county commissioners, your mayors, that local government, you still have local law enforcement, you can do a lot to organize and don't depend on the federal government to save you. Well, prepare. Because just like, just like in Israel, the federal government did not save them. Did not save them. Local organized communities, uh, organized through their through their local jurisdictions. That's extraordinary advice. Is prepare because it sounds ghoulish, but I have to tell you, there will be blood in the streets in the and United again, States of America, clearly, and the left will blame it on the MAGA extreme Republicans. Correct. And I'm not saying go form private militias. No, but there are ways to organize under local law enforcement, under local authorities, so that they have the additional constabulary to prevent the kind of militant tactics that we're going to see again, 100%. Well, and to be able to disperse crowds, right, in defensive measures when crowds form, especially when they have radical intent. And to get, That's after, all you're saying. And, and to get after and interdict the leadership. Incredible. Look, unfortunately, we are in this more dangerous world. I, God knows what we're going to be facing in 2024, but our collapse of the border and now this, this uh, end you know, our dependence on foreign oil and the conflict in the Middle East, it, it just spells more trouble. Buckle up. Buckle up. Absolutely. Look, this has been an amazing deep dive into Israel. More to come on the next episodes. We're really glad you're here uh, on Off Leash with Eric Prince. I'm Mark Serrano. We'll catch you next time.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.